Hello everyone and welcome to this webinar. I'm Francis Seeley from Global Net 21 and M for Voices. And this is one of the many, many webinars we do. And yesterday, yesterday was Commonwealth Day. And so it's quite appropriate today, we're gonna to look at the Commonwealth, but a particular part of its activities, and that's the Parliamentary Association. And we've got Stephen Twig with us today. Now, Stephen was an MP, he was chairman of a select committee on international development. He was the MP for Southgate winning in 1997 and the famous what was called Portillo moment. Um, but now he's become general secretary of the association. So we're gonna talk about the Commonwealth. We're gonna talk about the association it's, and its work. So Stephen, you know, thank you for joining us today. It's great to have you here. Um, but perhaps we could start for those who don't know you people who weren't around in 1997. Um, could you tell us a little about yourself and your background? Francis, uh, thank you very much indeed. And it's great to join you for the conversation today and to welcome everyone who's part of this uh, discussion. So I grew up in suburban North London in, in, in Southgate. And uh, that was first, that's where I learned a lot about the values that I've got and the things that I believe in. Um, I served, as you say, as a member of parliament in North London for eight years, and then I was defeated. And then I returned in Liverpool in the northwest of England for uh, nine and a half years. And I did a number of things, but uh, at the end, I was chairing the cross-party uh, International Development Select Committee uh, in the UK House of Commons. And that really got me much more interested in the detail of international engagement, including the Commonwealth. Well, I mean, some people wonder why you gave up your parliamentary career, because, I mean, you know, in a way, you went through a rough time, you were in opposition for a lot of the time, you went through all the trials and tribulations in the Labour Party, and Enoch Powell once said, you know, every part, every political political career ends in failure, in, in the sense that there's frustration, you don't always get what you want, you don't always do what you want. I mean, did you get that feeling? Did you get the feeling that you could do more outside? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I suppose my, my uh, parliamentary career is a bit unusual in that I had the eight years in Enfield Southgate. When I lost in 2005, I thought long and hard about, you know, did I want to go back into Parliament at some point or did I now want to do different things? And at that stage, I really was keen to, to go back into Parliament. And I was very fortunate when I was selected to stand in Liverpool. But then I had nine and a half years in opposition, as you say. What really changed my thinking was working on international development on a cross-party basis. I came to, to, to want to do more of that kind of work, both the international side, but also being able to work with people on a cross-party basis. So that was why I reached the decision that come an election, I wouldn't stand again and, and I'd look to do something full time that was more internationally facing. When I made that decision, I, I didn't know when the election would be. And of course, in theory, that election might not have come until this year or even next year. But as we all know, it happened rather quickly in 2019. I suddenly found myself in a position where I was no longer an MP and working out what I was going to do next. So how did the Parliamentary Association come your way? So it was a it was very fortuitous. Um, people may know or recall that uh, the UK general election was in December of 2019. So my kind of last day as an MP was in early November of that year. And at about the same time, 
I saw the job advertisement for Secretary General of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. So I applied for it. It was a, an international process because there were candidates from across the uh, regions of the Commonwealth and the process took a number of months to come through. But I didn't stand down from Parliament knowing that I'd have this opportunity with the CPA. Uh, it happened that the recruitment process coincided with the period of the UK general election. Yeah, I mean, jobs often come by luck as well as effort. And uh, so it was interesting how you get to where you get. Um, I mean, the, the Parliamentary Association is interesting, isn't it? It's not an institution. It's a network of uh, parliamentarians and staff and so on who exchange information, publish good practice and engage on agreed, agreed common action. Is that how you see it? A sort of loose network that can get to do, get together and the, the energy of the whole is more than some of the parts. Absolutely. I think that is incredibly important. I mean, we are, it's an old organization. Uh, so it was established um, in 1911. Uh, and of course, in 1911, it wasn't the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, it was the Empire uh, Parliamentary Association. But obviously, it has changed fundamentally in the subsequent uh, decade and 10 years. We do have a formal structure uh, and we do have a formal relationship with the Commonwealth uh, as an institution. But increasingly, I'm finding that our informal or our semi-formal networks are incredibly important and contain them within them a lot of energy. So to give a couple of examples, we have uh, this year, we celebrate the 40th anniversary of our small branches network. And this is for those parts of our organization that serve smaller populations. We define it as under half a million. We are an association of parliaments across the Commonwealth, which is 54 countries, but we also include the sub-national parliaments. So as well as the UK parliament, we have the Scottish Northern Ireland, Welsh Assembly, but we also in you know, South Africa, we have Brazilian Natal and West, and similarly across the whole of the, the Commonwealth. So our smaller branches are sometimes sub-national, but a lot of them are small island developing states and it's those small branches through that network that have really led the way in the work that the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association does on climate change, on the environment, on biodiversity. Often those small island developing states that are in the front line of the challenges posed by climate change that have said to us, do more on climate change. Okay, I mean, I'll come to climate change in a minute, but it's quite interesting. I mean, I look at the networks you have and the forums that you have, and, and they're all incredibly interesting. And the issues that you consider priorities. Now, modern day slavery is one of those issues. Um, why did you choose that? I mean, it's an obvious question, really, with an obvious answer, but it is really an important topic, isn't it? It's, a, it's, a, it's an incredibly important uh, topic, uh, and it's one that has been championed in particular in the UK branch of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, and they've done a lot of work uh, in uh, this area. You know, we are guided by a set of uh, shared values and commitments. Uh, the Commonwealth itself has its charter, which sets out a range of commitments to uh, the rule of law, but also to some pretty fundamental human rights. And slavery um, in any form is clearly strikes at some pretty basic 
human rights values around social justice and the proper treatment uh, of people. And so parliamentarians across the Commonwealth really have championed this important cause, addressing issues like uh, human trafficking, for example. And you know, I'm very proud of the work that our United Kingdom branch has been doing to address modern slavery and to support parliamentarians around the world to ensure that laws are in place, resources are in place uh, to address it. So give us some idea how you do that. I mean, slavery, women in parliament, another issue. I mean, what does the association do? I mean, the national governments are doing a lot on that. What do you add on to the top of that that makes a difference? I, mean, I think, firstly, it is very important that we have strong and independent parliaments. So I, there, is, there is a principle around the separation of powers between governments, parliaments, and also the judiciary. So part of our role is to say, we want to make sure that parliaments can be uh, independent and effective and have the capacity to do their work. Now, our membership will include some parliaments that are well-established, long-standing, and highly resourced, and others that are more fragile, uh, others that have fewer resources because they may be in a low or low middle income uh, country. So a big part of our job is to try to share the best practice between those different parliaments. Mutual learning is something that I, is at the heart of what the Parliamentary Association seeks to do. And then we have our own democratic processes through our Commonwealth Parliamentarians Conference and through our executive committee to determine priorities as we move forward. So I am very keen, for example, that we have a big focus in the next few years on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. I think the Commonwealth and its member countries have a big part to play if we're gonna have any prospect of achieving the goals that Agenda 2030 sets out as adopted by the UN back in 2015. Yeah, I mean, that, that clearly is important and STGs have been um, discussed for a long time now. But you talk about democracy, you talk about accountability on your website, for example. You have a sort of problem there, don't you? Because many countries, including some in the Commonwealth, are creating more authoritarian types of democracy. And, and you have on your site that you want to advance parliamentary democracy from the heart of Westminster. And that sort of sounds like you're exporting the Westminster model to countries who are developing a different model. So are you trying to do that or are you, or are you trying to have a network of equals? It's absolutely a network of equals. And I think there are huge amounts that uh, we can learn um, from each other right the way across the Commonwealth. You know, take, you know, yesterday, as you rightly said at the beginning, Francis, was Commonwealth Day. It was also, of course, International Women's Day. And looking at some of the work that the CPA has done on uh, women's representation, uh, including in parliaments, actually there are countries in uh, other parts of the Commonwealth that have a higher representation of women than the UK has. We have seen significant progress in women's representation in the House of Commons in the United Kingdom in recent uh, in the last couple of decades, but it's still, I think, what, 33, 34%. You've got countries in Africa like Rwanda 
that have achieved 50% um, representation. South Africa is quite close to 50%. So absolutely, it is not saying there is this model of how things are done that is the UK way of doing things. It is saying, let's all learn from each other. And going back to my previous answer, I think learning a lot from some of these smaller uh, jurisdictions, small island developing states, learning from some of the good practice that has been adopted in sub-national uh, parliaments. You know, I think we can look at um, what's done in sub-national parliaments right the way across the Commonwealth and learn lessons uh, from each other. It is very much the principle of equality. My, the chair of the CPA, my boss, um, is uh, the deputy speaker of the Cameroon uh, National uh, Assembly. Um, our executive committee has uh, representation from across the different regions of the Commonwealth Parliamentary uh, Association. That principle is at the heart of everything that we do. I mean, another thing that must be at the heart of what you do now, especially since Brexit, is the negotiation of trade agreements. And that's something that you are involved in as well. I know from your, from your website. Um, now, what do you do there? I mean, do you help with the negotiation of trade agreements? Do you fight to make sure they're not hidden and their secret negotiations and their corporate courts and all the things that people worry about post-Brexit that could happen, that could affect us and we don't know about it? Are you involved in that? So we certainly are involved in the sense of working with others. So we work with, uh, for example, the uh, Interparliamentary Union, sorry to bring in another, uh, mention another organization, but the Interparliamentary Union represents national parliaments across the world and has consultative status with the United Nations. So we do some work with them around trade. Um, one of the questions is, of course, transparency, as you rightly say, but also accountability. So equipping parliamentarians to hold their governments to account as trade agreements are developed, but also equipping parliamentarians to uh, hold international institutions to account with regards to trade. So for example, the World Trade Organization to ensure that there is that accountability um, at a national level. I suppose the addition that we bring, but so too does the Interparliamentary Union, is uh, an opportunity to do that at a global level or indeed at a regional level. And one of the features of our association is that we, we actually have nine regions within the Commonwealth. So for example, the Africa region is a very, very significant voice within our association, but also has its own regional identity and will work at a regional level, including on issues relating uh, to trade. We will also work with sister, and one of the things I'm really keen on is we work with sister organizations. So there is a, a francophone equivalent of our organization, the Parliamentary Assembly for the Francophonie. And so in Africa, you know, if you bring together the Commonwealth members with the Francophonie members, there's a little bit of an overlap, but mostly they're, they're distinct. That is most of Sub-Saharan Africa, almost all of it coming together. That can be a very powerful partnership and voice for parliaments and parliamentarians within the continent of Africa. I mean, you, you talk about parliamentarians, but you don't just work with them, do you? You also work with parliamentary staff because they can be quite influential sometimes, perhaps more than they should be. Um, uh, I mean, in what way do you work with them? How do you involve them as well? I mean, it's, it's an incredibly important aspect of our work 
is that we are engaging with staff as well as uh, engaging with the parliamentarians themselves. Now, again, coming back to something I said earlier, different parliaments have very different levels of resource. So, you know, a parliament like um, the Canadian parliament or the Lok Sabha in India or the United Kingdom parliament will have quite high staffing levels. A lot of other parliaments will have more modest levels uh, of staff, but we seek to work with the uh, parliamentary staff right the way across the board to ensure that they are equipped to do their job properly, to support parliamentarians. You know, I know from my own experience chairing a select committee that the ability of the committee system in the UK, but I think this would work in other parliaments as an example, depends in large part on the support that you get from the clerks, from the committee specialists and from others. And we find ways in which we can support staff members to learn from each other. One of the tools that we've developed as the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association is what we call our benchmarks for democratic legislatures. And these benchmarks are a way in which uh, we can assess uh, how effective the parliament is in doing its job of legislation, oversight, scrutiny, uh, and accountability. When a Commonwealth member has an election, we will offer a post-election seminar. And over the last year, we've become adept at doing these seminars fully virtually, whereas previously they would always be done in person. And this tends to bring together the new parliamentarians and staff from that parliament with resource people from uh, other parts of the Commonwealth to give every support we can, both to the parliamentarians and to the staff, to be as effective as possible in strengthening their systems against those benchmarks. Okay, so that becomes a sort of sharing network, which is, which is really important. You mentioned climate change earlier, and you mentioned how some of the smaller countries are pressing on you to focus on that. But I noticed on your main themes on your website, it's not there. Um, is that sort of work in progress? Because it really is the major theme of our of our decade and, in, and of this century. Absolutely. So what we are in the process of doing um, is preparing our next strategic plan. So I started at the CPA last August. And one of the tasks that I was given when I was appointed was to devise a new strategic plan. We had a very comprehensive consultation through the autumn of last year, not just with our members, though very importantly it was with our members, but also with external organisations that has led to the drafting of a new plan that will go to our executive committee later this month, and if adopted, we'll uh, publish it uh, in the spring or summer of this year. What was very clear from the responses to that plan is that those responding absolutely agreed with you, as I do, that climate change uh, and indeed more broadly sustainable development need to be at the heart of what the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association is doing over the next uh, period. And of course, with the uh, COP26 in Glasgow later this year, there is a huge opportunity for parliaments and parliamentarians to be holding governments to account for the commitments that were made in the Paris Climate Accord and working out where that goes next if we are to avert a climate catastrophe. So I guess my answer is absolutely, watch this space. Um, commitments around climate change are very much gonna be at the heart of what we're doing in the months and years ahead. 
Anyway, we, we won't watch the space. Um, yeah, I mean, COP26 really gives you a great focus to, um, you know, make climate change a priority. Um, but it's also a priority for not just parliamentarians, but for civil society. Climate Coalition, for example, is holding a huge festival in September to create the momentum towards COP26. Um, I mean, are you trying in the Parliamentary Association also, not just to link with professionals and so on and, and staff, but to, to link with the growing civil society? I mean, global civil society, because global civil society in the digital age has taken off enormously. I think it's, it's vital uh, that we do that, both that we do that as the kind of international secretariat for the CPA, that we do do that at the global level, but perhaps even more important that we are enabling uh, our members to be doing that at the national, the subnational and the local level. And certainly going back to the example I just gave of our seminars that we hold after elections, one of the themes that always comes up in those seminars is how parliamentarians can engage effectively with civil society. I think climate change is a, is a great example where there is, as you say, uh, Francis, a powerful and growing movement, but similarly on human rights, on issues around women's participation, we have an emerging network of regional champions on disability. And the global disability movement, I think, is an incredibly important voice if we're going to um, enable uh, disabled people, people with disabilities to, to um, uh, be empowered, uh, not just in parliaments, although that would be a big part of our focus, but more generally in society. So one of the things I learned a lot from partly from being a constituency member of parliament, but particularly when I was chairing the International Development Committee, is how significant uh, civil society is uh, in terms of debates around sustainable development, including climate change. So absolutely. And the other big theme of the new strategic plan will be a greater emphasis on partnerships. And when I talk about partnerships, that is, yes, that's with other parliamentary organisations. Yes, that's with uh, governments and multilaterals, but it absolutely is also about civil society. Yes. I mean, one of the things you're doing is you're developing a lot of forums and certainly you have those on climate change. And I see you've got one with Canadian parliamentarians coming up on March the 15th. So, I mean, you are developing forums. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, you could use those forums to link parliamentarians with civil society so that they can discuss cross-boundary issues together. No, and that's, that's absolutely something that, that, that we are increasingly looking to do. So, so the forum, um, which you've mentioned, which our UK branch is hosting, I think is an excellent example. In the International Secretariat, we've recently held a series of webinars um, that were going basically in lieu of our conference because we've had to postpone the conference because of the COVID restrictions. And one of those was on climate change, another was on disability, disability another was with the Red Cross on international humanitarian law. And in all of them, what we were seeking to do was bring together parliamentarians, academic experts, civil society and others to share the very best practice. And I think we're gonna do more of that in our organization via a variety of forums moving forward, both in person, but also um, when that becomes possible again, but also using platforms like this one. Um, you uh, also face the pressure where we're in a world that we see two contradicting forces, 
One is globalism, the other is localism. You know, people are wanting to get decisions made locally. They want to take power to themselves, but we have huge global problems. Um, I mean, how do you, in the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, work with MPs to address that issue? Because if that issue isn't addressed and the right balance created, you have tremendous dysfunctions that lead to the sort of populism we've seen. How do you address that in the association? Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's a really profound and important point and one that has been frankly underestimated and I take you know, my share of responsibility for that by politicians across the board and across the world for a very, very long time. And it's ignored at its peril for the reasons that you have uh, given. And I think, you know, in practical terms, what do we do? Yes, we are an international organization, but actually primarily what the CPA seeks to do is to support our members, the parliaments, the parliamentarians, the parliamentary staff to be effective at the national and subnational level. You know, part of acting locally is civil society, but actually the other aspect we haven't mentioned is the crucial role of local democracy and local government. Uh, and so I'm very keen that we work more with our colleagues in local government. We have the Commonwealth Local Government Forum uh, that I meet with in my new role and in individual uh, countries and subnational uh, parts of the Commonwealth, very much to encourage and support our members to be working with local government as well as with civil society on solutions. But I, you know, your point is absolutely right that we've seen this erosion um, of trust, these concerns about the power of um, international institutions. And some of those solutions will have to be global, <laughs> but some of those solutions actually are national and, and, and local. And I think part of our role is to enable the parliamentarians to hold global power to account, but also to engage at the national and local level as well. Okay, well, we're getting very close to the end. So I mean, can I ask you a couple, two or three other questions? One is, how do you see your role and the role of the Commonwealth and the association developing in the years to come? Where would you like it to be? So I, I'm taking over a, a Secretary General of an organisation that's 110 years old. There has to be a bit of humility about change. And I think we do some really good things that I want us to continue to do uh, around supporting parliaments and supporting our members. But I am keen that we become more active on some of the issues that we've talked about over the last 25 minutes. So sustainable development and climate change and human rights. I think these are issues that a lot of uh, citizens as well as parliamentarians are keen to have championed. And I'd like us to be doing more of that and doing that in partnership with our members, but also in partnership with civil society and others. Okay, and um, let me ask you a question I shouldn't really ask you, and, and that is, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, would you like to stay in this job for some time? I mean, it's not, this isn't just a sort of stepping stone, is it? Is this a job that you really, really are passionate about and you want to make it work in what is increasingly a digital age? Definitely, um, definitely. I mean, it's a four-year uh, job, so I'm, I'm um, appointed for a four-year period. Uh, I very much hope that uh, I'll have the opportunity to apply to do a second period, and that will be then for uh, the organisation to decide whether it wishes to give me that. Uh, but no, I, I, I've, I've left the UK Parliament to do things like this, and I want to carry on doing this. This is my focus. 
Okay, I mean, that's, that sounds very interesting. So if, if people wanted to find out more about what you do, get involved in what you do, make contact with you, where would they go? So the best thing, you can follow me on Twitter, you can, at Stephen Twig. You can follow the uh, CPA itself on Twitter. And actually, there's both our Twitter account, but a lot of our uh, member branches will have their own Twitter accounts. We have our website, which I'd encourage people uh, to look at, but also we're going to be relaunching uh, a little bit later on this year. We're on Facebook as well. So we are very much an organization that is that is open about what we're doing and frankly, very keen to hear from voices across the Commonwealth of citizens about the sorts of things that citizens of the Commonwealth would like their parliaments and parliamentarians to be addressing. You would be happy for groups like we have an M for Private Action Forum, which is a, a network of 105 different civil society organisations. You'd be glad for groups like that and other groups in other areas to talk to you about how civil society can link with parliamentarians at a Commonwealth level, would you? I mean, is that something that we could explore and develop together? I would be absolutely uh, delighted uh, to do that. Um, to do that. Obviously, we're talking in a specific context that we both share uh, of Enfield, but I'm equally happy to do that with similar organisations in all parts. Of okay, well, that's great. I wasn't trying to capture you back to Enfield just again. I mean, <laughs> I know you've got a wider constituency now and an important one. Anyhow, I mean, we've come to the end of the, the, the this recorded part. And um, I mean, I think what you do is a really interesting job. And I think the the, the, the thing about developing a knowledge base, the thing about developing good practice, that cannot be underestimated. It can help people enormously. And that sharing and exchange is a powerful thing. Um, you know, John Maynard Keynes said, you know, what, what's important is ideas. Ideas really generate change more than anything else. So I think what you're doing is, is really good. So I'm really pleased you've been able to um, join us today and talk about it. And we'd love to talk to you again in the future about how things are developing, because I'm sure you have a lot of uh, great ideas about it. So, you know, thank you for joining us today. And um, we'll end this part of the interview now. Thank you.